Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Alan Havey is a comedian and actor who hosted a late-night talk show for the Comedy Channel before it was named Comedy Central back in the 1980s called Night After Night. You might not have heard much from him in the 1990s and much of the 2000s, but he's certainly enjoying a renaissance in the past decade since acting in the 2009 Steven Soderbergh film The Informant. Since 2012, Havey has appeared in Louie, The Office, Mad Men with Bob and David, The Man in the High Castle, Bosch, Glow, and now Billions. He's continued to perform stand-up comedy all these years, from the Comedy and Magic Club in Hermosa Beach to the Comedy Cellar in New York City's Greenwich Village. In the summer of 2018, he's taking his act across the pond to the UK with a month-long stint at the 2018 Edinburgh Fringe Festival. But first, he's talking to me. So let's get to it! Have you done Edinburgh before? No, no, this is my first. Are we on the air? Are we recording? Uh, yeah, we're recording. Okay. Uh, no, it's my first time. What What made you decide now, after all these years, well, to, to do the month-long stint in Edinburgh? I was, uh, last September I did uh, the Comedy Store in London. Okay. And then I got booked back there into Manchester the last two weekends of July. And the producer, John Key, said, do you ever think of doing a fest? I said, yeah, it sounds like fun. So he's producing the show. Oh, nice. And, uh... I, I figured it was kind of a challenge, and everybody says it's a lot of fun, and people say it's kind of crazy. So, yeah, I've done just about everything else in comedy. Yeah, in fact, you've d- you've done this before. This was a thing. Uh, by this, I mean comedians talking to comedians with night after night. Yes, I was way ahead of the game. I should have put <laughs> invested in uh, the uh, the comedy interview. Yeah, I'll be a billionaire today. <laughs> Well, you're sort of doing that by being on Billions. You're, yeah, you're but in the uh, pitch. they hired me to do that, so that was fun. <laughs> well, when when you were doing Night After Night, which was on the Comedy Channel, not Comedy Central, not Ha. Well, then it turned into the Comedy Central. Right. Yeah, in my town, we didn't have that. We had Ha. Well, there's a Comedy Channel Ha, and they merged and became Comedy Central. Yeah. So For the last year of the show, we were under the banner of uh, on the comedy uh, central channel. Okay, but when you when they I came... know what a stickler you are for details. <laughs> a comedy nerd. <laughs> but that's not what your show was. Your show wasn't a comedy nerd thing, was it? It was more of a just a, a no. Good it was hang. A kind of a regular, relaxed talk show, kind of goofy and fun. We had some good writers. Uh, nice producers, and uh, over the years, you know, it, you know, if I'm acting or something like that on a set, someone will come up to me and go, man, I used to watch your show, and blah, 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 and a lot, so I think we have our, our, little, uh, our little place in uh, the, uh, the comedy boom that grew into what it is today. Do you ever, I know there's some clips on YouTube, do you ever stumble upon those or have people send you the old clips? Uh- I get up in the morning, I watch every episode, it's about 462, and then I start my day. No, I don't go back. Every now and then, someone just sent me uh, an interview with Brandon Lee. Mm-hmm. I did, and he thanked me for it. Okay. Uh, uh, the actor who unfortunately passed away. On the crow. Like his, yeah, like his dad, uh, yeah. Bruce Lee. 
prematurely. So he, I guess, appreciated the interview and thanked me for it. Now, did you but, did you appreciate the 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 latitude that you had back then in terms of yeah being on TV and having all this time and seemingly no restrictions? Did you did you have Not any really, restrictions? No, we didn't have any restrictions. Uh, HBO, HBO Downtown was really good to us. They mm-hmm. were, I think, one thing we said on the air um, was that, oh, don't, you, please don't do that. And it was always, <laughs> you know, it was always, come on, don't. Because what happened was down 23rd Street, they were having trouble with several of the shows. They were like, you know, like patients. You were trying to uh, keep these other shows on life support, and there mm-hmm. were hundreds of meetings and Things so my show was going fine, so don't worry about us. We got to do anything we wanted. It really took advantage of the fact that they didn't have to worry about the show because we we all did a good job and have fun. And it was fun. We didn't take it uh, seriously. So when it ended, did you did you think seriously about being a talk show guy, or, or were you done with that a part of your life? Talk show guy? What do you mean a talk show guy? Talk show. Oh, talk show. Yeah, I, I <laughs> you know, I kind of. I wanted to keep it going, so my dad and I got to president. I tried out for the uh, Conan O'Brien show, the you know, that slot. Right. And but I thought, you know, I wasn't getting it, so I figured, you know, I'm going to stay with stand up. And I went to New York back in the early '80s to be an actor. You know, I studied theater in college and stuff. So the fact that I started getting acting roles uh, was great, and so that's what I've been uh, doing: stand up and acting. Right, you were you were one of the were you one of the original comedy seller guys or? I yeah, knew, I knew well, you there back in the back in the I early days before it was brick. You know the brick wall they stand in front of. I laid some of those bricks. Really? I'm, what are you nuts? No, that was, <laughs> the building was it, probably it, built it, in the, it you know nineteen fourteen. It something. wouldn't surprise me that Manny would actually have the comedians do hard labor. No, Manny was great. Yeah, Manny was uh, you know probably the most generous and gracious owner out there. He started paying us well. He wanted to, he wanted it to be a place where comedians hung out. So he really, but you know, I've mentioned this many times. He planted the seed that has become the mighty oak of the comedy cellar. Right. Because when the comedy cellar started, it wasn't one of the big clubs. It was still new. It was a, it was a a cellar, (laughs) Uh, you know, on a street. That's what it was. It was, you know, a space. What was the hottest club at that time? Was it catch or was it, Probably catch or the improv. You know, you had your catch guys, your strip guys, and your improv guys. Mm-hmm. And Caroline's, too. Caroline's was, uh, you know, coming up in the world. So the cellar was for everybody else? Kind of the the rebellious downtown village club? I don't know if it was rebellious. I just think uh, Grunfest was real good at hiring good comedians, a lot of good comedians. Right. Bill Grunfest was the guy who talked Manny into doing it, right? Yeah, and then he he became the permanent host for like ten years. Okay, and uh, so yeah, but it was fun. It was just more laid back. It was relaxed. There was no pressure. Uh, the industry wasn't in there, you know, scouting for uh, talent just mm-hmm. yet. It was a great hang, and still is the best hang in comedy. So you're you're pretty much bi coastal at this point, right? Kind of- well, you know, I am <laughs> married. Um, <laughs> Uh, but in terms of, yeah. of the, the time you spend, I, 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 I've been working in New York a lot, mostly because of Billions. Okay. The last season, mm-hmm. they shoot it there. But any excuse to go back to New York, I'll grab. And okay. I had a, like a a place there for a while. I don't have it anymore. But uh, I I kind of enjoy Santa Monica too. Because I know but, you know 
Cause New York, and yeah. I, I work out of there a lot. I, I, I love the cellar. I'll go in there. I just went for a couple weekends. Because I know I've seen you also out in Hermosa Beach, too. Love Hermosa. That's yeah. my club out here now. Comedy Magic. Yeah, for the last four or five years, I really love that room. I, 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 in my opinion, I am lucky enough to work the two best rooms in America. That's Hermosa and the Comedy Cellar. So. Well, that's because you're, uh, you're an OG. Original gangster? <laughs> oh, Jesus. These, these punk guys don't know what original gangster is. They just like to throw around the terms. Yeah, yeah I've heard that. Was, hey, man, you're original OG. I said, okay, whatever. <laughs> long, long, long as you're still like uh, comedy. Any, 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 I think the, the comedy kids today, they figure anyone who's, who's in, uh, who's in the, the documentary comedian is considered like in the, in the elite of the elite. Because really? you were, because you were you were a counselor. Well, that was to, easy. You were a counselor to Jerry. If Jerry considered you worth advice, then you must be somebody. Well, you know Seinfeld. I've known like since they first started, and I I'm a huge uh, fan of his work and, and what he does and the person he is. I very little to know about his personal life, other mm-hmm. than what you know we all know in Seinfeld. But really like the guy, and and I. Uh, I highly respect him. He's given me some great advice over the years. So uh, I'm a big Seinfeld fan. You know, we- you know, it's when we came up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's when you got in the business and where you worked and who you hung out with, and and that's what happens. That's part of it. When when that when that you know the timing of that film around you know 2001 2000 2002. You know, if if you if I if I look at your IMDb. Page, there's a bunch of stuff now with Billions and Mad Men and Man in the High Castle and Glow and Bosch. But in that time of the late 80s, early 2000s, there wasn't a lot acting-wise going on for you. No, I, had, I only had a handful of stuff like Curb and uh, Seinfeld. Yeah. But you look in the 80s, I did a couple movies. You know, if you look from like, I think it starts in like 82 mm-hmm. or 84, You'll find I did, uh, oh, you know, enough work there uh, while I was doing stand-up. But certainly mm-hmm. since, uh, I would say, 90, or no, not 99, since uh, 2010, it's really picked up. Right. So I guess I'm wondering, in that period in between, were you content to to just be a road guy? Suicidal, or? wanted to blow my brains out. <laughs> No, I'm just, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, it's but it's it's seriously what, one of those what, what, things. In between, what you mean, just being a stand-up? Yeah, were were you? Yeah, were you living yeah. At, were just you living being a stand-up, boy, that sucks. We're, but, just being a stand-up is unbelievable. Everything else is gravy. <laughs> well, some people, some people aren't content with that. Some people, well, keep some banging people, the, you know, bang, banging their head like against egg the... in their beer. <laughs> <laughs> Some people have to have a, a, a show, and then they got to have a top ten show, and then they got to get nominated for an Emmy, and then they got to win the Emmy, and then they got nom- nominated next year. And, uh, 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 you know, I, I don't know what to tell you, man. I, I like being. Listen, I, I I've done everything. You know, I had yeah. a couple HBO specials. I had my own show for a while. They still play those. Own, HBO still plays Tom those old one. You know, say what? HBO still plays those old one night stands and uh, half hours. They don't play all of them, baby, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> why? Because a lot of them, are, you, people use contemporary humor. Oh, right. So There's the t- only a few the- left that just kind of, it's, you know, works any time. Comedy uh, right. works any time. Some but of them yeah, are so dated. I, I'm really yeah. proud of those uh, those specials I did for HBO. It was, uh, it was fun. 
Well, no, it's comforting. It's comforting to hear that 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 you can be just happy with with working and not not striving because. I think especially with the the people who are younger, I'm Generation X, and the people who are younger than me, the so-called millennials, it seems like they're all striving for, it's very competitive. Well, you know, they all were told they could be the best they could be, mm -hmm. and it's all there, and you can get it, so I mean. <laughs> so I, that's I setting the expectations high. But we all worked hard. Everybody wants, you know, mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot more television now. Right. A lot more opportunities. Uh, I guess it's it's harder to stand out. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I see a lot of very funny young comedians. By young, I mean 30s and 40s <laughs> today. Um, then back in my day, back in the 80s, there I think more and better comedians uh, in 2016 than were, were in 86. Why Why do you suppose that is now? There's more, more people want to get into the business. Mm-hmm. It's, it, you know, back when I got in the late 70s, early 80s, it was like running off to join the circus. I mean, you know, hey, that's weird. You want to be a stand-up? Wow, that's really hard. And Everybody kind of said, oh, that's hard. But now it's just like kids grew up. The, you know, Comedy Central's been around, you know, 20 years. Mm -hmm. they're, they're looking at uh, all these venues and podcasts and animated shows. And to be funny, there's so many ways you could do it, so many ways... The kids are inspired, and you look at YouTube. You on YouTube, you can watch Roddy Dangerfield or Mitch Hedberg or, you know, uh, Dave Chappelle. I right. mean, you have every stand-up comedian that ever did a spot on television is, is on YouTube. Yeah, you don't have to go and hang out at the comedy club like I did in the mid '90s. If I wanted, or to watch TV, or when you know, uh, yeah. John Hamm was a teenager, he used to go down to the library and check out comedy albums. You know. Yeah. No, I uh, when I when I first got really involved in the comedy game. I, it was the mid '90s in Seattle, and I would just have to go hang out at the Comedy Underground and giggles, and just—that's how I absorbed it all back then. That must have been creepy for the people at giggles. <laughs> it must be weird when you just walked in and hung out. We, uh, have you ever done stand-up? Well, I was doing the open mics too, so it was—I was more like the regular creepy guys. Do you still do stand up? I haven't I haven't performed professionally since a uh, they had a funniest reporter contest here in New York in 2007. That was the last time. Wow. So I I won that because compared to other reporters, obviously I was the best. Well, once you once you win the funniest <laughs> reporter, you really can't go on from there. No, that's why I, I you've already reached the mountaintop. I actually know. I actually launched the comicscomic.com the month after that. A what? I launched my website a month after that. Oh, cool. Yeah. So you've been doing this 10 years. Well, that's nice. Yeah, so I, I did realize there was nowhere to go but uh, but talk to other comedians and, and critique them. And Yeah, that's not good. We don't like to get critiqued. <laughs> no, not at all. Mm -mm. I, was, I was watching the latest uh, season of, of Jerry's Comedians in Cars, and there's an episode with him and Brian Regan where he's really going off on the idea of, of being reviewed. Uh, Brian Reagan is or Jerry? Uh, Jerry is, but Brian's agreeing with him. Yeah. So, <laughs> how do you, how do you feel about about uh, st stand up comedy criticism? I don't like it, you know. But I mean, I don't like criticism of any kind, unless it's a I'm working with someone, mm -hmm. uh, we're collaborating on something, or someone I trust and know a long time says, "Hey, maybe you should." But it rarely happens. Uh, comedians are pretty uh, pretty touchy, pretty sensitive about. That mm -hmm. stuff. It 
it's it's a lot of hard work, and you get up there. And listen, it's bad enough that they don't laugh. <laughs> you know, hey, you weren't funny. I know. Here's why. You know, I, I you know, I, I kind of get it. They kind of know why when I'm not funny and what works. So, you know, it's like reviewing uh, a trapeze act. Mm-hmm. Hey, when you fell and hit the net, that wasn't an act, was it? No. Mm-hmm. How do you, no, it wasn't. An, well, how do you how do you feel then about about acting criticism then when? When you're getting reviewed for a, a film role or a or part, well, I, I they really don't pay that much attention to me. I've mm-hmm. gotten some pretty pretty decent reviews. Right. You know, there might be some bad ones. I you know, I, I don't read that stuff. I mean, certainly if I was in theater, uh, reviews mean a lot to the box office. I, mean, I guess they do to films too. But yeah. I've never carried a movie. Uh, I've been a headliner in comedy, but as far as acting goes, I'm you know a supporting or character part. So. Right. I don't, I, you know, if it gets uh, nominated, I don't give a crap. Would you Would you consider the informant where things started to change for you, or would it be Louie? Um, well, I was cast in a sitcom in two, 2009, 89, right. Free Ride. So that was kind of nice. People said, oh, okay. he's still around. Oh, that guy. Yeah, he's still around. That guy that was on the Young Comedian special <laughs> 10 years ago. He hasn't quit yet. <laughs> and then the informant came out and they go, hey, isn't that the, yeah, he hasn't quit yet. <laughs> and then uh, Louis uh, really helped because the industry watches Louis. So I was, right. uh, more casting directors called me in. And in Mad Men, uh, Mad Men, forget about it. it yeah. Was, it was a fantastic experience. Well, you were great in Mad Men. And Mad Men was already well, considered you. one of the best shows ever. And I then know, you, it was and my then favorite you get a, show too. And then you get a part in it. That's got to be a dream. It was it was it was a kooky dream at fifty eight. <laughs> kooky dreams come true. Yeah, that, that's an interesting thing. The older I've gotten, the busier I am. And I, you know, you know, thirty years ago, I said, "Well, this is probably when I'll be winding down, doing cruise ships, and getting mm-hmm. ready to re- retire." But uh, the acting's picked up. I've gotten some incredible breaks. I've worked with some amazing directors and writers and actors. So. I'm uh, quite fortunate, Sean. If, so if, don't give up, kids. If, if your agent calls you with a cruise ship gig now, what would you say? I'm sorry. I I, I didn't hear you. What would you say? If your agent called you now with a cruise ship gig, what would you say? I don't have a booking agent. haven't oh. had one in 20 years. I book my own stuff. Nice. I'd say how much? <laughs> you know, anything over, uh, you know, anything under 10 grand for okay. one show ain't worth it. All right. I don't. I, yeah, cruise ships. I, I just don't want to be locked in the same vehicle with my audience. <laughs> I know. You that's... know, it's like if you got off stage and everyone piled into your car and went home with you. <laughs> that, that'd be even worse than than uh, having a comedy critic there. Yes. Well, <laughs> if, listen. Are you talking specifically about uh, Jason Zeneman? <laughs> uh, no, not specifically about him. I'm, I mean, I'm talking about. Okay. Well, there aren't that many. I mean, there's him. There's me. There's there's only a few few people who do it full time everybody else on the web is is more of an amateur kind of substitute critic well there's only a few of you that you're so easy to get rid of <laughs> so yeah that's why i don't go on cruise ships well, you, might, just, you, you uh, might get rid have, of me we have a party where there's a free buffet <laughs> and that draws in all the goddamn critics and we we shoot them all right there <laughs> What do you? <laughs> It'll yeah. have to be free caught and free range because Zeneman works at the Times. <laughs> you talk about about um, the industry taking notice of you a, about a decade ago and going, "Oh, he didn't quit." Was 
But I mean, that's that's said in jest. But when you were well, going, no, it's always still around. Because listen, you go through a situation as a young comic, mm-hmm. up and coming. Then you make your first couple Letterman's. Then you do your specials. Then you have a talk show, and then uh, no sitcom. Okay, but well, we haven't seen him in a while. Oh, there he is on Seinfeld. Pops up on Curb, mm-hmm. and then you know, you know what I mean. It just kind of oh, he's still around. But there, you're not when you're not the young, new, and exciting guy or gal. Uh, you know, you don't draw a lot of attention. So what? So what are those auditions like? The, what were those other auditions like? The the ones where they weren't noticing you. They're horrible. <laughs> it's, what do you mean? Like you go in, you, listen. You do your best job, you leave. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's and if you don't get cash, you just keep going forward. But it's you know, you, the jobs I got were fantastic because people said yes, and then you got mm-hmm. to work, and it's fun, and you grow. You know, do you, do you listen? Be- it's tough just being an actor in this yeah. business. I have a lot of respect for actors, and uh, thank God I have stand up as an outlet. Do you do you do you believe that uh, that you're one of those guys who maybe had to grow into the into the role that you wa- were always inhabiting? No, nah, I could act back then. I just wasn't getting the parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had to wait till I was fifties to play a guy in my fifties. <laughs> so yeah. Well, where I your guess. personality might not fit your age, like you might have been. I like nah, I, I. You know, I never got accused of that. Okay. Because I, I, I think Mark Maron's a guy like that who, as he's gotten older, the the comedy persona and himself kind of mesh a lot better now than they did, say, 20 years ago when it just came off I, as bitter. I, uh, well, you know, I thought he was bitter enough when he was younger. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I never, I think, I don't think Marin was uh, indefinable or kind of an amoeba. You know, I think he was pretty well defined Okay. as he got older, but I think he's, uh, here's what happens, man. You just get more experience. Mm-hmm. You just, you get out there, you get more experience. And certainly Mark, with his podcast, uh, his um, people know who he is. And a part comes along like on Glow, and he's perfect for it. Right. And then he does a great job. That's how it happens, you know. I think, listen, there's a lot of people on Curb. They've been around a while, like Susie Essman, Richard Lewis. Uh, Garland. Uh, uh, Garland and Dave Osborne. Mm-hmm. And they've been around doing good work. But everyone on that show, in my opinion, does their best work. They're the funniest on that show. I think uh, Jerry's, uh, I'm sorry, Larry's, Larry. <laughs> able to get, yeah, Larry's able to get at him. Well, Jerry and Larry with Seinfeld, yeah. I mean, you know, you talk about nine years of putting together 20-some-odd episodes a year together, the, you're going to get good. Right. Well, I, uh, both of those things, it's casting, and it's, but it's also, with Curb, I, I think, you know, Larry was was writing to these people, right? Really getting yeah. these people's strengths, so right? A, yeah, no, he he plays their strengths, and I mm-hmm. think Marin, once he got to his podcast, was able to deliver his true voice. You know, so if you find your groove early, you get a part early, uh, and we've all seen this: actors uh, or comedians who get that early break, mm-hmm. they get on an early uh, sitcom when they're in their twenties or something, and they find their character, and then they're successful, and then you don't hear from them for years. Right. You know. I guess I'm wondering if, if you felt like that happened with you once you got Mad Men, where people were able to see you in a different light and go, oh, this guy can really handle this kind of uh, gravitas, but also with a with an underpinning of snark. Um, yeah, well, you know, 
you don't know if someone can do something until they do it. So mm-hmm. I think, yeah, a lot of people realize, oh, this guy can do drama. He's, mm-hmm. you know, we, you know, these people, whoever, you know, <laughs> you're talking about, they're out there working right. around. Yeah. Well, oh, certainly that helped me uh, get acting work. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, because you're resident- because it was a high profile show. It's business. Yeah. It doesn't didn't get a lot of ratings uh, audience wise, uh, but as far as the industry, everyone in the industry watched Mad Men. Mm-hmm. Everyone in the industry watched Louis. You know, and now you got billions yeah. and uh, Man in the High Cast. A lot of people saw me in that. So if they keep yeah. seeing you on really good shows. Some of it, you know, you know, part of it's talent and hustle, mm-hmm. but the, a lot of it's luck. It's just like you locked in. You know, there are people on been on shows for seven, eight years. I, I don't even know the names of the shows. <laughs> you know, there right. it's on the it's on a channel I don't walk or a, a genre. Right. Not, not there's anything wrong with it. I just, you know, people can work in this business and they've been working their ass off. You never see them on a, a high profile show. So I've been lucky to get on a couple. Yeah. And certainly uh, Soderbergh, when he cast me informant, that was a lot of fun. You know, when you work with these actors, working with Damon, working with Scott Bakula, you know, you're learning a lot. You're around other actors. You kind of get a feel for it. You realize, just relax and, you know, do your lines. Well, that was also, the informant in particular was one of those ones where, I don't know if it was the director or the casting person, but they definitely had a preference for finding smaller roles for plenty of comedians. Well, I think uh, Soderbergh wanted the cast comedians. I don't know if it was Car- Carmen Cuba, who mm-hmm. was uh, the casting director, or Soderbergh that came up with that, or both. Okay. But a guy like Soderbergh is smart. He works well with his, you know, uh, DP and his editor and his casting director. He works well with the producer. He, you see him on set, and um, he's very clear and very genial and uh, smart. So guy like that you're going to listen to, right. you know? There's, there's... Comedian coming off the road after a couple of weeks at the Chuckle Hut, and he's on a <laughs> set with, you know, Scott Bakula and, and Matt Damon. He's going to I say, uh, these guys know what they're doing. Yeah. But it's... it's... You know, I, I've seen actors in the comedy cell sit at the comedian's table, and they listen. A lot of good actors have sat there, and they just listen to the comedians because they're, in, they're not in their world, you know? Right. Brian, I get, and Koppelman's another guy like that who... Uh who likes to have comedians in his life and on his shows. Brian's always been fascinated with comedy. I met him when yeah. he was 19. Always been fascinated with comedians, with films, with mm-hmm. writing, with the way things work. Brian's a very curious guy in that. That'll serve you well. And uh, he's tenacious, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, he he'll, he just, I mean, he tried stand-up for a year and a half. It yeah. didn't happen for him, but he really... It was a dream he had. He goes, uh, you know, the hell with this? I'm going to try this. And, you know, that's how he met a lot more comedians of a different generation. He used to come into the cellar way back in the day in the mid-'80s. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. I mean, he knows a lot about stand-up huh. uh, just by watching it, just by being there, such as yourself, right. you know. Um, so uh, those are the people I like to work with, people that are curious and passionate and uh Anybody, anybody that has a hit TV show, I want to work with that. Guy. <laughs> well, I, I'm funny that way. I, you know. Well, you're out, you're on a good run now. So I am. Listen, Sean, I am knocking on wood at my desk here as I speak. I really listen. I work hard, and you know, I try to do a good job. But I'm also lucky. They and 
yeah. longevity is is improved my luck. So I'm, I I appreciate that. You know the 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 mythical they who spouts all the conventional wisdom. They they like to say that that when you achieve success later in life, you're able to have so much more gratitude about it. Do you subscribe to that? Oh, they are absolutely right, those bastards. <laughs> no, here's the thing. If I had a great run in the 80s, which I did, but if right. I, let's say I was on a hit sitcom, and I was in a number two or three show, maybe number one, right? like between 85 and, you know, 93. And after that, I really didn't get much work. You know, and I played casinos. I made money, and it was, but my real success is my past. Mm-hmm. I'd still be able to appreciate it, but... Uh, I appreciate everything much more now as I get older. And I think that appreciation and uh, being relaxed and, and accepting my age and who I was helped me get cast. Yeah. You know, it, it's once you're comfortable with yourself and you're relaxed and you audition or you're on stage and you're just, you like, like Marin. I mean, a guy could go in. Interview Marin, you know, five years ago, I go, this guy's perfect for this part or this part or that part, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I appreciate life a lot more now because also it's happening now, you know? Right. I'm going to Edinburgh for the first time. That's exciting, a little scary. Uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be something new for me. And anything new for me uh, is great. I mean, when I did Punk, that was new, you know? And when I played myself on Louis, that was new. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then uh, doing hour-long dramas on television is a relatively new thing for me. You know, I'm not a seasoned actor. I'm still kind of, you know, I'm on some good shows, but uh, still kind of green around the gills, so I'm always yeah. learning. But You know, I mean, I wanted to work with the Cohen brothers 35 years ago. Finally, it came true. <laughs> I was very, you know, you just got to hang in there. <laughs> right. Don't quit. No. This guy didn't it's quit. It's a big thing. Don't quit. Yeah. It, you know, I something you just said... Um, Really rings true with me. I I remember when I was when I was seeing you at the cellar maybe eight years ago, and yeah, you might not have had a lot going on as far as Hollywood is concerned, but but it didn't show in your act on the cellar. You like you were just as content as could be, just up there doing the stand up, working the crowd. Light comes on, you get off, you go back upstairs and and commiserate and. I think not having that that look of or that aura of desperation really serves serves you well. Well, listen, I mean, being a stand up, mm-hmm. working at the cellar, going up and, and hanging out with other good comedians and, you know, having some good food and that's fantastic. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's it, it, it if I was only a stand up comedian and that's all I wanted to yeah. be, I'd be very happy. You know the ability to know that and and have known that for all these years, while other people are always not enjoying where they're at and in thinking about all the things they don't have. That's so key. Yeah, well, that's this business does that. Man. Yeah, and it, it depends on the individual. I mean, listen, uh, we all want to, uh, you know, uh, do better and get paid more and, and get on television more, of course, but. You know, just keep going and, and believe in yourself and, and trust that if you give something, you know, Manny Dorman, the, uh, the owner of the comedy store, the, the father of it, said, had an expression in business, anything. He goes, you give good, you get good. 
So I just kept giving good and had faith, and, you know, lo and behold, listen, listen Louie had that show for a couple of years, and people said, hey, when's Louie going to put you on? I go, I go, he'll figure it out if he, if he wants mm-hmm. to put me on the show, he will. And then he did, you know. Um, it, you just got to be patient and, and uh, sometimes impatient, but, you know, you can enjoy what you're doing along the way. You know, I, this is an old expression. I read it in uh, Bob Dylan's book, Chronicles. His grandmother used to say, there's no road to happiness. Happiness is a road. Mm. And I can tell you, two of my happiest years were when I first got, when I first got out of college, came to New York in 79 and 80. Those first two years, as scary and tough as they were, were also happy and exciting. And uh, you got to enjoy the process. Was and it? comedians who, who yeah. just say, oh, I don't have this, and I don't have that, or that person got that, or that, that, that is, I saw that kind of bitterness in the early 80s, and I said, I don't want to be that guy, you know? Was that, was that something that you learned just by watching, or was that something that, that was taught to you by someone that you looked up to? Well, my father, when I, you know, when I was young, said, you don't be, uh, don't try to cover another man's wife or mm. business. Be, be, if you, if a buddy gets on a team and you don't, mm-hmm. it, it sucks. I'm not saying be happy about that, but be happy for your pal. If you can't be happy for yourself, be happy for your friends. You know, your life may not be going good, but if you have a buddy, it's going good. Then, you know, that's good. It's good to, to have a friend doing well. And early on, in 83, 84, early 80, late 83, early 84, I, I worked with Lauren Michaels. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a show called The New Show. And they, oh, right, they right. looked at every comedian. It was me and a, a couple other guys. That was when cast. Lauren left SNL, briefly. Right. Yeah. And I could sense the bitterness and from other comedians. I've only been in comedy a couple of years, but I could sense the bitterness. I go, I'm not going to do this. I go, and I said... Someday, younger guys are going to pass me by, or young guys are going to get parts that I want. And sure enough, it's happened. A lot of guys I knew started out. Chris Rock, Adam Sandler, Ray Romano, uh, Wanda Sykes, uh, even recently with Amy Schumer Mm. and Michelle Wolf, Mm -hmm. you know, have made a name for themselves. I love it. It's great to see. I I see them as young comics. I see them do good work and work hard, and I see it rewarded. You know, so it doesn't make me bitter. I'm glad. I'm glad those words your dad told you stuck with you. Me too. Me too. <laughs> you know. Well, I, I hope that people. Because listen. You, you don't need one more bitter comedian <laughs> to interview. There's, there's plenty no, of those. No, I need more people like you. So please, if you're like Alan Havy, please come my way. I need less bitterness in my life. Yeah, but if you're like me, please don't do stand up. <laughs> you know, become a doctor. <laughs> oh, listen, believe me, dude. I have a lot of anger. Hmm. You know, it's not bitterness, but I do have a lot of anger, and uh, it, it gives me a very warm feeling inside. <laughs> you need something to keep the passion. I guess. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's funny, Sean. I think, it too, as getting older, I enjoy, I enjoy everything more. Food, yeah. sex, work, uh, life, you know, a good book, a great film. I just, you know, they, they keep coming. Well, Alan, uh, that that gives me that gives me hope and optimism, and uh, I, I wish you a, a fabulous rest of your summer in the UK. Thank you, you too, and and don't hang on to the funniest reporter accolade <laughs> from ten, eleven years ago. Yeah, there's another, there's something else coming up around the corner, Sean. Ah, uh, I'm just I'm don't not, get bitter. <laughs> no, don't no. get bitter if Jason Zenoman kills. <laughs>
<laughs> as long as, even if he wins the Pulitzer Prize before I do, I will not be bitter. Probably will. <laughs> so all those New York Times guys, they, oh, yeah. you go, hey, who turn, whose turn is it to win the Pulitzer? <laughs> Well, I will, I will, I will replay this episode if that if that should happen. Well, yeah, absolutely. Well, good luck to you, buddy. Appreciate appreciate you, uh, you know, keeping uh, an eye and a pulse of the comedy scene. My pleasure. It's my, it really is my pleasure to do so. And thank you so much, Alan. Thank you, Sean. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Thanks first.